speeds up Driving when the sun goes down The hum of 18 wheels Lord, that's the longest sound I spend all day Chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time Hello, friends. This is Chaplain Gary Rayburn, along with my partner, Fred Mooney. I'm excited to be here. We have got a great program for you today. Gary, today we're riding in this brand new truck, and we're going to pick up some listeners and bring Jesus to these drivers on the road for some great music, awesome testimonies, and a little preaching. What we want you to do is give us a call at 618-383-2107 or log on to lonesomeroad.org. So buckle up, hang on, get ready, because we're going to have Church on the Road. 414, a big blue mag. Now it don't matter where I'm going, I just gotta drive. I have the white line fever to the day that I die. I said 18 wheels rolling on the road, it is my life. 18 wheels rolling on the road, it is my life. Hey, Fred, the road is our life, and we've got a great program today. And I'm excited to be here. Yeah, man. Well, awesome. Yeah, you shared your testimony uh, recently at Orchardville Church, and we're going to share that message today with our listeners. All right. Yeah. But first, I'll tell you what we need to do, Fred. We need to put on a song by Joe Arview. Oh, I love to hear Joe. <laughs> He's one of my favorite singers. I hear you. Well, don't brag on him too much. He'll get the big head. <laughs> Joe Arview is a great singer and songwriter, and he wrote this song with his son, and it's called Wings of Angels. There's a man who stands on the front line Standing for his Lord Jesus Christ And waving his banner of freedom And willing to give up his life He left his home in West Virginia 
heading for a hill in Iraq His daddy told him, son, you'll find within you What you're gonna need to get back And I'm gonna send it back Fred, I wanted to I wanted to play that uh, for our listeners out there because you're going to be sharing your testimony about how you got saved uh, off of uh, what was it USS Ranger? I was aboard the USS Ranger aircraft carrier in the Gulf of Taka off the coast of Vietnam. Yeah, I always had this theory. You know, we all have a theory. Yeah, I always had this theory. I was raised in a good Christian home, and I knew that I should be saved, but I thought I'd wait until I was too old to party or too old to have any fun, and then just before I died, I'd get right with the Lord. But aboard the USS Ranger, I seen a helicopter that was hit with a heat-seeking missile that exploded in a big ball of fire, and I mean it happened in the blink of an eye, and I thought, those men didn't have any time. And I realized right then, you're not always guaranteed time. And I, my life was in pieces, and I decided right then and there, it was time for me to start seeking God. Amen. Well, here is that testimony by Fred Mooney. 
Finding God on the High Seas. I'm going to do something tonight I haven't done in a long, long, long time. Since 2013 was the last time I gave my testimony publicly. And you're going to learn some things about me if you haven't heard it. And I hope you love me after it's all over with, okay? And I asked Gary Rayburn and Aaron if they'd come and pray and support me while I'm doing this because they can, they're my brothers and I identify with them, all right? But uh, Revelations 12, 11 says, And they overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives to the death. And that's the way we overcome is by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And if you've been in my Sunday school class, you, you've heard a lot of this. But uh, I, well, for well over a year, I traveled all over the place giving my testimony. And, and uh, it went really, really well anyway. Well, I'm going to set it up in chronological order. I was born September the 2nd, 1949. Now, that's a beautiful baby boy. I'm here to tell you right now. All right. And things, things were rough for me when I was born now. Uh, I couldn't talk. I couldn't eat. Didn't have any teeth, you know. I couldn't walk. And to add insult to injury, I was born buck naked. But I am an overcomer. Now, I've got to say, I grew up on the east side of Mount Vernon, which uh, was one of the poor sections of Mount Vernon. But we were all poor, and when everybody's poor, you don't know you're poor. You know that? And, and I appreciate that. There was no $100 tennis shoes. Uh, everybody everybody wore, got their tennis shoes at P.N. Hearst, and they got them for about $10, you know. So, but my life changed. Uh, 1958, I seen this guy right here, Gene Krupa. I seen him uh, on television and on the movies play drums. And I tell you what, I knew right then and there that's what I wanted to do. I was going to be a drummer. I was 10 years old, and that's all I wanted to do was drum. I beat on everything that I could. I drove people nuts. I joined the band. I was in grade school band. I was in junior high band. I was in high school band. I was a band kid. I know you find that hard to believe, but uh, I, was. I was. I was a band kid. And I thought, I'm going to be a jazz drummer if it kills me. And I got, I got playing the dance band. I, got, I did a lot of that. And then something happened to change my mind. On January, the se on February the 7th, 1964, we were invaded by the Beatles. Now, I went over to a friend of mine's house when they were on Ed Sullivan's show, and his, his sister was there, which is about a year or two younger than us, and, and a bunch of her girl, his girlfriends and her girlfriends and a bunch of girls there. And they were crying, and they were going on, and they were hysterical. I knew right then and there I needed to be a rock and roll drummer, you know what? <laughs> Well, this is the first band I was in. They were called the Malibus. Now, back then, a lot of the groups had car names. They were the GTOs. They were, they were just the Mustangs. A lot of them took car names. Well, these guys, they took the Malibus, and uh, 
My first gig was at the Oasis Tavern. I was 15 years old. And that's when my problems started. I developed a taste for alcohol. And uh, it took me down a road for 10 years that you don't want to go down. Later, I met up with this guy. He'd be on, on your left, my right. Uh, Reb Duncan. It's Reb Duncan and the Sundowners. is a band from Salem. And they were a real good band. And we actually cut a 45. And actually got on the charts. Now, for youngs that don't know what a 45 is, it's a lot like a CD, but it's got a great big hole in the middle. You know, <laughs> that you put a little plastic thing in. That's <laughs> why. But anyway, we cut, we cut a 45, and I'll tell you what, I thought I was living life large. 1968, I graduated high school, TTL, not summa cum laude, to TTL. You know what TTL stands for? Thank the Lordy. Thank the Lordy, yeah. I was the only one that graduated high school that had a line of teachers waiting to shake my hand. It was a happy day for them. <laughs> and things, were, things couldn't have been going any better. We was playing six and seven nights a week, and I was making, making good money, and uh, had my car, and I was just, I thought, I'm going places. I'm going places. I have arrived. I'm going places. It, it's just going to be around the next bend. We'd actually even done some television, you know. And I learned real quick the way, back then, the way you did television, you pantomimed it, and they played your record. Because the sound hadn't evolved to that in the TV studio. I was going places all right. <laughs> well, 1968, I got my draft notice. My dad called me up. I'd got too smart to live with my family anymore, so I was so smart I was living on my sister's front porch, you know. And he called me up and said, I think I got your draft notice here. So I went over there and sure as the world, that's what it was, is my draft notice. And I'd had a lot of buddies sent home in body bags. And I thought right then and there, I didn't want to go in no jungle. I don't like jungles. I don't like snakes. I don't like any part about that. And I thought I'd be a lot safer out there on that ocean. So... In 1968, I joined the Navy, and uh, my problem continued, I'll put it like that. I, uh, I was sent out to Washington State anyway, and uh, I traveled a lot, and uh, in 1971, I met a girl in a bar and I got married. Now, this was probably the second stupidest thing I've ever done in my life, you know. And, and any of you, I, know, I look at most of you, I know you're, you're probably married. But if you're not, and, you want, and you're looking for a wife or a husband, a bar is not the place to find them. The only worst place to find one than a bar would be rehab, you know. So, yeah. Think about it. Yeah. Well, I found out being married that a wife was a high-maintenance item. No, no offense, ladies. 
She wanted to eat three meals a day. I'm telling you, it was, I was, my rent was $125 a month, and I was making $257. At the end of the month, we paid all of our bills, and I had 50 cents left over. Well, it didn't take me long to figure out I was going to have to do something. You know, I was going to have to do something. So I, I called my folks. I had them ship my cymbals out to me. And I went and rented a set of drums. And I went to play music. And I was in a part of the country where they had music six and seven nights a week. I went up to uh, British Columbia on the weekends, played up there. I played a lot and made a lot of money. But my problem continued. And uh, when you're in a bad marriage and you're an alcoholic, it doesn't get any better. And the type of marriage we had, and I know nobody here has ever done this, but if you take two cats, tie their tails together and throw them over a clothesline, that's about how good we got along. So I knew that the best thing I could do is to stay gone. And that's what I did. I was, I was either on the Navy base or I was out playing music. 1972, Fred Jr. was born. And I was scared to death. All of a sudden, I had this little tiny baby I was responsible for. And I thought, the only thing I knew to do was make more money, right? And by making more money and burning the candle at both ends, my problem accelerated to say the least. Well, 1973, a squadron VA-95 called the Green Lizards, I'm sure they could have thought of a better name than that, but was formed. And uh, if you look at that picture, that's an A6A aircraft. That's the type of aircraft I worked on. Look closer at the pickup truck there. And you'll see it is painted and made to look just like that aircraft. And you know what that is? That's your tax dollars at work. Yeah. We did that. That was our, our XO's truck. And, and we did that for him. And, and he sent me a picture of it, you know. Well, that was my first trip to Vietnam. Then later... I went to, I've, I've been over there 18 months. I was on a beach jet in the Philippines. Uh, when a plane couldn't make it back to the carrier, they'd, they'd send it to us, see. And I was in Longpo, Philippines, in Subic Bay. They have 800 and some bars in that town. And every one of them has live music. So you know what I was doing. I was playing music every night of the week. Well, and my problem was continued. I went to bed. I'd always go to bed, and I'd leave about that much left in the bottle for the next morning. A little bit of the hair of the dog that bit you, you know. And things got worse. But like I said, they sent me to B school in Memphis, Tennessee for about four months. And I thought, well, this is going to work out in my favor. Uh, it'll be more cost effective for them to put me to a squadron that's coming back than one that's already over there. No, they transferred me to VA-145, the swordsman, and that's 
Here is the ranger, USS Ranger, and that become my cathedral. While I was on the ranger, I was a flight deck troubleshooter. Now, if you ever get a chance to, to see a flight deck in operation, an aircraft in operation, don't, don't miss it, because it's a sight to behold. But I was the guy that checked, a, I checked the airplane, the plane, port side of this plane, the starboard side of this plane for hydraulic leaks and fuel leaks. And then as soon as I checked it, I, I had a little box that was much, just a little bigger than this pulpit. I had to run over and get down where they had it marked on it so the jet exhaust wouldn't blow me over. And I'd give, I'd give the catapult officer thumbs up. And when I gave him thumbs up, he'd salute the pilot, and the pilot was airborne, much like this guy right here. But like I said, this become my, my cathedral. Now, once your planes are flying, when you work on the flight deck, you haven't got anything to do but uh, go in the day room and to smoke and to drink coffee and to read. And so I picked up anything I could get my hands on to read. And that was my mistake, or actually it was my salvation. I picked up a book called Good News for Modern Man. Now this was an English translation of the Bible. It was in common English. Now I'd been raised in a good Christian home. I should have known better to live the way I was living. But those stories I heard in church, that's just what they were. They were stories to me at that time. They were like Sunday morning cartoons, you know. But I read this and I thought, man, this is, this is what I need. This is what I need in my life. My mother had called me the day I left for Vietnam, said, your father's had a massive heart attack. We don't expect him to make it. And I thought I'd never see my dad alive again. My wife had filed divorce papers. To say my life was in the pits was an understatement. And all I could do is drink. But you know the problem with, with being addictive to a substance? Whether, I don't care whether it's alcohol or whether it's street drugs or what it is. Sooner or later, you get sober. And when you get sober, all the pain comes rushing back in ten times bigger than it was before. And my biggest problem I had on that aircraft carrier, because we'd sneak a lot of booze on board. But sooner or later, it would run out. And sooner or later, you would get sober. And sooner or later, you had to... You had to face those problems. But like I said, I got this book, I climbed to my little bunk, and I read this thing cover to cover. Everywhere I went, I had this book with me. And people were, they wondered, what happened to Fred? What's happened to Fred? Well, I made a deal with God. I said, God, if you save my soul, I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. On June, in June of 19, 1974, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and Lord. 
Now, it doesn't happen this way for everybody, but I was instantaneously delivered from all addiction. I had what I would call a Paul on the Damascus Road experience. One moment, I was a worthless drunk. The next moment, I couldn't do enough for God. And I, it's just, it was, me and Gary's talked about this. We call it the one-step method. Now, I know it doesn't work that way for everybody, but it worked that way for us, didn't it, Gary? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you're a Christian, you're a new creation. And your life ought to show it. We was talking about this Bible study the other night. One of the great sayings Mark Shell had was, is, sipping saints is slipping saints. That's a fact. Okay, October 11th, 1974, I was discharged. I went home to take care of my father. I took care of my father every day of his life for the next 10 years. I went through a horrible divorce. I thought I'd go home and float on a cloud, you know. It wasn't that way at all. Went through a horrible divorce. I mean, people go through multiple, I don't know how they do that. It wiped me out. I was home, I was living with my folks, and these people here come into my life. Now, you can take one look at them and you know what kind of people they are. Yeah, they're Holy Ghost-filled Pentecost people, good people, loved on me, loved on me. I was, I had been in the bars for 10 years, for 10 years. I called this a stage. I didn't know to call it a platform. But anyway, here's how they come to my life. They asked for prayer at their church for me. Somebody knew me. And they said, is that Fred Looney, the drummer? I said, yeah. So we want to go talk to him. So they come and talk to me. And they said, they said, Fred, we want you to go play on some albums. We're going to make three albums down in Nashville. We want you to go play. And I says, well, Butch, which that's the guy with the guitar back there. I said, Butch, I'll tell you what. I go to a church and we don't believe in, in drums and Christian music and drums and churches, you know. We just don't believe that. I said, my drums are up in the attic. I ain't, play, I ain't played a lick since I come home. He says, what are you best your beliefs on? I said, well, that's the way the church believes. He said, if I can show in you in your Bible where it's okay, how about that? I said, I tell you what, big boy, you show me in my Bible where it's okay, I'll go make your albums. And this is where he took me. Psalms 150, verses 3 through 6. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the tremble and the dance. Praise him with the string instruments and the flutes. Praise him with the loud cymbals. Praise him with the clashing cymbals. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Think about that, folks. The next time we're, we're having praise and worship and you're sitting on your hands, okay? That, that's extra. That didn't cost you anything else. Well, the next thing I did, all things come to end. That group broke up and I come to Wayne City to play for the Gospel Road Singers. And 
Mark Mel, I thought he was here somewhere. Anyway, his dad, his dad introduced me to the prettiest girl in Wayne City. And I married her. <laughs> there she sits. And this December, we'll be married 48 years. And I want to tell you something. Since June of 1974 to this day right here, I haven't had a drop of alcohol. Haven't wanted a drop of alcohol. I've got one more thing to show you, and then I'm going to let you go, because I know we've got something really good down the hall. This is the Mooney family. Now, everybody, see, everybody on, on your right there, that is Fred Jr.'s family. In fact, he's even increased. We've got our, our first uh, great-grandchild now. <laughs> and everybody on the left is Bobby's family. Every time we get together at Christmas, they ask me to bless the food, and I can't hardly do it because I cry so hard. Because I never dreamed that I could have a family like this, that I could live this life. God's good. He's got good things for you. I've run out of time. I want to tell you what. I hope you take this to heart. Because when you start messing around stuff you shouldn't mess around with, think about it. My first 10 years like to cost me everything, Mel. It like cost me everything. But God got a hold of me and he cleaned me up and he put me on the straight and narrow. He gave me a wonderful family, a wonderful family. I couldn't ask for better kids. Couldn't ask for a better wife. Prettiest girl in Wayne City. Most moral person in Wayne City, I think. Before God had got a hold with me, she would have walked to the other side of the street if she had seen me. But she did. She married me, loved me. We've been through it, folks. We've been through tornadoes, we've been through cancer. We've been through death of kids. We've been through it. But God took us through it. And he continues to take us on. Now, I'm going to let you go right now. Somebody dismisses prayer. Gary dismisses in prayer. Well, drivers, you heard a powerful, powerful testimony. And I want to pray for you right now. And I want to let you know that if you will cry out to God and ask him to come into your heart, then he will save you. So, Father, I just lift up all these listeners to you right now. And, Lord, there are many, many out there that are having to make a decision right now. And, Lord, I just pray for each and every one of them, Lord, and I just ask that you be with them, be with their families. And, Lord, for those that don't know you, if they will just pray a simple prayer and ask Jesus Christ to come into their heart and save them. Lord, I know you're going to do that right now. So, friends, pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart, and Lord, change my heart, and give me a new heart so that I can serve you. And I will live for you from this day forward, in Jesus' name.
I stand for the flag I kneel for the cross Those who refuse to Will someday suffer loss Stand for the flag The red, white and blue Jesus died for you All across our land today There's hate for our flag They walk on it and burn it They mock and then they brag Others paid the price So we could be free And Jesus did the same on the cross at Calvary. I stand for the flag, I kneel for the cross. And those who refuse to will someday suffer loss. Stand for the flag. The red, white, and blue Kneel at the cross Where Jesus died for you Fred, it's been a great ride out there in the cab with the drivers on the road. And I appreciate you sharing your heart, sharing your testimony. And I want to know if you've prayed that prayer with us, give us a call at 618-383-2107 and let us know. And we would love to send you some materials. Yes, we will. And we have enjoyed riding along with you in the cab.
I walked through a county courthouse square. On a park bench, an old man was sitting there. I said, your old courthouse is kind of run down. He said, no, nah, it'll do for our little town. I said, your old flagpole has leaned a little bit. And that's a ragged old flag you got hanging on it. He said, have a seat. And I sat down. Is this the first time you've been to our little town? I said, I think it is. He said, I don't like to brag, but we're kind of proud of that ragged old flag. You see, we got a little hole in that flag when Washington took it across to Delaware. And it got powder burned the night Francis got keys at watching it and writing the old sake and you see. It got a bad rip in New Orleans with Packenham and Jackson tugging at the seams. It almost fell at the Alamo beside the Texas flag, but she waved on through. She got cut with a sword at Chancellorville and she got cut again at Shallow Hill. There was Robert E. Lee, Beauregard, and Bragg. And the south wind blew hard on that ragged old flag. On Flanders Field in World War I, she got a big hole from a Bertha gun. She turned blood red in World War II. She hung limp and low a time or two. She was in Korea and Vietnam. She went where she was sent by Uncle Sam. She waved from our ships upon the briny foam, and now they're about to quit taking her back here at home. In her own good land, where she's been abused, she's been burned, dishonored, denied, and refused. And the government for which she stands is scandalized throughout the land. And she's getting threadbare and wearing thin, but she's in good shape for the shape she's in. Cause she's been through the fire before And I believe she can take a whole lot more So we'll raise her up every morning We take her down every night We don't let her touch the ground, son And we fold her up just right On second thought, I do like to brag Cause I'm mighty proud of that ragged old flag My partner, Gary Rayburn, he wrote a song At the foot of the tree and Dennis McKay recorded this song for Gary and just did an awesome job. I hope you enjoy Gary's song, At the Foot of the Tree. At the crossroads of life, lost without hope, Eighteen wheels of lonesome At the end of the road In my hand was a track The preacher had read His words still echoing In the back of my head I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past Then I called his name this chance would it be my last then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree 
from you. My phone number is 618-383-2107. Or you can call my partner, Fred Mooney. You give me a call at 618-898-1164. And we'll be in the cab with you next week. Shifting gears and drinking coffee. And we're going to close today's program with a good old truck driving song. Six days on the road. And we'll talk at you later. Pittsburgh rolling down that Easter Seaboard. I got my 
diesel turned up and she running like never before But there's a speed zone ahead alright But I don't see a cop in sight Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it on tonight I got me ten forward gears and a Georgia overdrive I don't need no pills cause my eyes are open wide I just passed the Volvo and a white I've been passing everything inside Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it on tonight I'll take it home My law goes way behind Nothing bothers me tonight I can dodge all the scales all right Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it on tonight Well, my rig's a little low, but that don't mean she's slow There's a flame from a stack and the smoke's blowing black as coal Well, my hometowns are coming in sight And if you think I'm happy, you're right Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it home tonight 